Girls Gone Wild. This is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is episode 215. This episode is brought to you by Equip Foods. EquipFoods.com. That's E-Q-I-P Foods.com. The discount code is G-G-W. And this episode, we're talking to Dr. Anthony Gustin. So we're super pumped for you guys to hear this because... You know, supplements are like a dime a dozen out there and you don't know who to trust. And after uh, talking to Dr. Anthony, um, I felt like so, uh, I don't know, enlightened about the whole process. Yeah, I felt reaffirmed for why we support his brand. So he exactly. is the founder of Equip Foods. And um, we also talk a lot about keto in this episode, which we know it's really the hot topic right now. And, you know, I also want to make sure that... Um, as you guys know, we are very, we try very, very hard to be objective about different diets. And we want to, um, you know, make sure you guys know that this is not necessarily a plug for keto. We're not trying to make everybody think like, oh my God, I have to go try keto, but just trying to give you guys as much information as possible with all the different things floating around out there. Um, you know, we felt it was finally time to address like, okay, we can't ignore this keto thing any longer. What the heck is it? Who the heck should be trying it? And how would you go about that? So we really hope that you guys get some good info out of this. If you have been, um, tossing around the idea of keto in your mind and, um, yeah, just a lot of great info. And he's just a really great person with all this information, and he has such a good intention for why he created Equip Foods. So this was formerly Pure Wad. He rebranded, and it's now Equip Foods. So you can support the podcast by supporting this product. It's The discount code is GGW. We love all their products. We truly use all of them. And I think after talking to Dr. Gustin, I just like talk calling him Dr. Anthony. But after talking to Dr. Gustin, I feel like even more now that we're like, okay, this is really good stuff. And the reason why he wants, he created a line and why he created a supplement line is really cool too. So we can't wait for you to hear this episode and thank you for supporting the podcast. Enjoy. Okay. So let's, let's start talking. So give us your, your background, your bio. Um, you're a chiropractor. You are the creator of Equip Foods, formerly PureWad. Um, start from the beginning of uh, where you come from. Yeah, it's been kind of a strange go. So it, when I was a chiropractor, it was super easy to just tell people, oh, I'm a chiropractor. But now I have this kind of hybrid role where I'm business owner, um, author, chiropractor, like all these things in one. And so it's been, it's been kind of interesting explaining that now. Um, where that comes from is that when I was younger, I knew I wanted to get in, into healthcare. Um, my family had a lot of problems. I had a lot of problems. I was super overweight. Um, I started learning when I was younger about biology and nutrition, and that really paved the way for me to learn that health was modifiable. And so I thought, hmm, well, why don't I help other people figure out the same stuff that I had to figure out? When I can so I, I interrupt kind of, you really quick? Yeah. When of you were so when like how did your family grow up? Were you so like what what was your health models like? Yeah, standard like lower middle class Midwest. So a lot of processed food, a lot of movement, a lot of TV, like typical like unhealthy American type of situation. Mm-hmm. And so with that came a whole host of problems. And so I was overweight. I had really p- poor movement patterns, and so I tried to go play sports and then get injured all the time. Uh, my mom had tons of problems. Like every every person in my family had something going on. It seemed like, and I mean, what I realized going, especially now in retrospect, that majority of that comes from nutrition. I mean, obviously a lot with with movement and lifestyle as well, but I mean, the majority was nutrition. And so I was able to kind of spin that around when I was younger and lost a lot of weight and became pretty athletic for kind of where I started, especially. And so seeing that, I thought, well, yes, I need to probably pursue this and and help people kind of do the same thing because I knew what it was like to kind of go through all the crap of not being healthy 
um, whether that's either feeling awful or being made fun of or whatever. And so I kind of resonated a lot with that when I was younger. And so I was kind of on the fast track. I knew I wanted to be in healthcare. And then my dad also owned his own business and kind of drilled into my head at an early age that I should also own my own business. And so that's actually a very rare thing in healthcare. So a lot of MDs and surgeons and stuff like this, they actually work for a hospital group and kind of are told what they should be doing at all times. And so we had a few family friends who were physicians and they gave me kind of two pieces of advice. One is you should probably own your own business so you can set your own rules and do things your way. And then two, it's not a good game to be in the fix things after they're broken. So like we have a family friend that was an orthopedic surgeon and he was always explaining to me like, yeah, I get these people in who are broken and then I have to fix them and then I can never intervene and they just get broken again. So you'd have a lot of the same people back and back and forth in, in the operating room. And so he suggested that I go into something that's a little bit more uh, kind of before people are broken. And so with that, I was like, okay, I researched. Um, chiropractic was one of these things where a lot of flexibility. So if I want to do stuff about nutrition or if I wanted to do movement and work with athletes and have my own business, it's like all the stuff in one. And so I kind of had that as a fast track. So I went to University of Wisconsin, finished up there really quickly. I went summers all the way through in, uh, in Madison, where the games were just at. So I'm sure you guys were just there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, then went from there to Pacific Northwest to Portland, where I did my doctorate in chiropractic and master's in sports rehab, kind of concurrently. And after that, moved to San Francisco and started working with elite athletes right at the gate to try to figure out exactly what it took from movement at the highest ends to kind of bring it back to the average person. So just like, you know, when you look at a race car, people push the edges and then what they learn from these high performance vehicles, they bring to the mass market cars to improve safety and improve performance. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking about the same thing for athletes at the time. And so I started working with a lot of high end athletes for assessing their movement and fixing it through corrective exercises and rehab. And I'm just curious kind of what then. kind of sports was it? So yeah, working with a lot of CrossFitters high-end athletes, pro athletes, kind of everybody at the top of their sport. And so what happened is I moved from, you know, kind of figure out the system of, you know, what it really takes for the average human to move well and feel well. Like, how do we assess them? How do we break it down? And how do we build people back up? So I felt pretty confident with that and then scaled our clinic system from one to six locations here in San Francisco. And at that point, wanted to take on a new challenge. And from kind of what I've realized when I was younger, I wanted to address more systemic issues and some of the things that I saw in my family history, so things like heart disease, diabetes, gut problems, things like that. And so that's more so of like a functional medicine approach. And so what functional medicine is, if people aren't aware, it's looking at the problems from where they originate instead of just intervening after the point. And so, for instance, like if a fire alarm was going off, most traditional medicine would be you go up and smash the fire alarm or you fan out the smoke around the fire alarm so it stops going off. So you treat the symptom and not the cause. And so functional, functional medicine is more so breaking down like, okay, where was the fire? How did it get started? How do we make sure this doesn't happen again so that people actually reverse things and so that conditions do not come back. And so I started getting a lot into that. And one of the things I realized working with both populations of elite athletes and functional medicine patients was the same thing I realized when I was younger, which is that nutrition was the root cause of pretty much all problems. So if you didn't have good nutrition, your tissues aren't going to heal well and must go skeletal injury. Or if your gut's messed up and you don't eat right, that's not gonna, never going to be fixed either. And so it was this kind of the biggest pillar of health that I could find that could affect everyone's health, whether it's from sports injury or kind of a functional medicine a disease. And 
So at the time, one of the things that kind of to bring it back to working with a high end to bring it back to everyone else is I saw a bunch of people feeling like crap due to these pre-workouts they were taking. And so the first product that I launched um, trying to figure out a scalable solution to these things because what happens is people, people have the information about what they should be eating generally. They know that they shouldn't be eating crap, but they don't because it's inconvenient. And so my hypothesis was that if we made these things more convenient, more people could access them and then start feeling better. And then that will create momentum where people start making better food choices and then going down that route and learning more about education and how to take care of themselves. And so originally we made a, a pre-workout product that was basically free of all of the trash that was making athletes basically sick during workouts or feeling bloated or you know having cramps and all this garbage. And so that was based upon a lot of ingredients at effective doses. Um, and then from that, we kind of extrapolated that to, okay, the next thing that I think that people are taking that's garbage that also people need better sources of and more accessible sources of is um, protein. And so we had a grass-fed beef protein and cocoa powder and stevia, and that was it. And so, I mean, going on the route of a supplement industry to try to create products for people that made whole food choices more accessible has been quite a journey, and I've learned a lot. But since then, I've, I've tried to think about these products as scalable solutions to a problem of having accessibility to real whole food nutrition. And so kind of where I'm at now is that about a year ago, I stepped back from day-to-day practice um, running my clinics and have been focused on scaling these companies um, when it comes to basically solving the problem of accessible nutrition. And so it's been a while and day-to-day has, I, I don't even know what to call myself anymore or like what, what I do, but yeah, um, it, yeah, yeah it's, been, it's been quite a journey. So I, I think I have to play devil's advocate because there's so much information out there now. And I feel like every time I go into Whole Foods, I'm like, ah, I'm so overwhelmed. And there's like a million bazillion products. Now, we, uh, Claire and I have taken a lot of products throughout our life. And we feel like um, there are sides of, yes, you need this. And there's sides of, oh, supplements are crap. And, you know, you don't need them and you're wasting your money. So what do you have to say to kind of that argument that kind of sets you apart? Because we truly feel like when we are aligning with you for supporting our podcast it's like we want to put products out there that we believe in and we do because we know where you come from and we know what you and we know what you've created and so i think that's the piece though that kind of always lingers in people's minds is like how do we know that this is something that is helpful for our bodies and not just something that's going to make money you know what i'm saying yeah it's a great question and that i have no problem with most people's reaction to that because the supplement industry is just completely shady and people are in it for money and how do Um, you just can you like shed light on what you do know of what is shady like what should we be worried about yeah so the first product run that we did actually um i said like here's everything we want in it this is important that we don't have any of the like binders or filling agents or artificial colors or sweeteners or whatever and i get the package back and it says on the package like 478 grams or whatever it's supposed to be and then i weighed it and it was like 514. I go, what the hell is this? And so I reach out to the manufacturer that we worked with originally. And they go, oh, well, we have to put these things in it to make sure that our machines run well. And so these were these are processing aids. And they go, don't worry about it. You don't have to put it on the label. And no one's going to know. It's just industry standard. Everybody does it. Oh. So what, what happens is the majority of stuff like that, the, the manufacturer actually needs to put in stuff that makes the machines basically not get sticky. Because if they can't run a high volume 
and they have to stop and clean their machines with very small batches, then they're losing out on a ton of money as well. Oh, and so then after God. that, yeah, I mean, this is just one of like many. <laughs> right, I know, but things. it's like you don't think about this stuff. Yeah, and so what? Oh, what happened is I was like, oh, well, I guess I need to find someone new, and it took me about twenty-five different manufacturers that were that I, until we found one that was willing to work with us from a standpoint of like, okay, we're not going to put these ingredients in it um, here. And then they, they do QA afterwards and do a, a third-party certificate of analysis is what it's called to make sure that we, like they put in what we said it was. And like, so we have to pay extra basically for the machines to run slower because we eat up their line time. And so like, that's another thing. Like if, if I wanted to make a product just for profit to make money, then this would just not even be a thing. Like I, I wouldn't even be able to to do this step because it would just completely negate it. Right. Um. So yeah, I mean that's just one example. I mean, so what a, another it, example. What is it that is they're that, putting in that they're saying that you don't have to to report? Like uh, what kind of things? every everything and anything. So what happens? Okay. With, so the last thing I read is something like in the high eighty percent of all of supplements actually didn't contain the the actual main ingredient that they said was in the the product. Because what happens is for supplements, it's um, it's not regulated by the FDA, so you don't have to go through any approval process. Sure. So it's right, it's self-regulated. So as a company, I am responsible for regulating our own products, which is insane. Uh, that, and that is doesn't insane. Happen in any so other someone country. could like in, essentially, in Canada, yeah, someone could essentially turn their turn their head and be like, well, I guess we're just gonna go with it, and they don't have to answer to anyone. Or you yeah. could just like fill up a capsule with like vitamin E and be like, it's fish oil. Yeah, so what a lot of people do is use either silicone dioxide or magnesium serrate to put in these fillers. And so they, they say, oh, our, ingredient, our, our stuff contains X, Y, and Z, but realistically, it actually only contains 20% of those things. Um, so, I mean, th- I could go on and on and on about yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. that happened. So, like, I, I know where people are coming from when they're like, oh, well, this guy's just making a supplement company and trying to, like, be a trendy type of thing. I get it. Like, completely get it. But... And I don't think supplements are necessary. I don't. I don't think that they are something that people need to survive. Like I think that people should be eating whole foods 100%. However, when I saw this transition between people knowing that they should be eating whole foods and not doing it because they're not accessible, and then like not having the benefits and not getting motivated to eat real foods, like I, I can't just tell people like, oh, you should be eating more grass-fed meat and kale, yeah. and then that solves all problems. And so. What I've designed these products for, and especially inside of one that's all about ketogenic diet and ketosis, people can actually experience benefits of ketosis and be like, oh my God, I want to do that more often and make choices that help me perform better. I so really love they- that. I had that's a really interesting perspective. I really like that perspective because you don't think about it. You think about like, here, add this to a diet that all the health nuts are already adopting where you're is like, you're kind of like, let's get these people in the door. Let's have this lower the barrier to entry of health. And so so what I'm trying to do is more so start the conversation about the actual products here and so that people can try them. And like the protein is a huge example. People try and go, wait, I didn't get bloated and feel like crap after I had this. Is that normal? I go, yeah, that's what happens when you have real food. Here's all the other stuff you should know about real food. And it's like using it as an education piece so people realize like, oh, I actually am supposed to feel pretty good when I eat stuff. What else should I be eating like that? And that's, and then I say, oh, well, you should be eating real foods that grow. <laughs> and then bringing people kind of down that road. And so especially with the ketogenic diet company, like th- there's so much misinformation out there. So we've invested 
a ton of resources and time into building out all this content so that when people buy something for the first time to try to basically cheat their way into ketosis, I mean, there's tons of benefits for exogenous ketones, but to be honest, most people are taking them because they think it's a it's magic pill for fat loss. Yep. What we get to do then is, okay, then we get their email and then now we get to send them progressive emails that say like, oh, great, thanks for purchasing. Um, here are the top 10 things you should know about a ketogenic diet. Here's what it does do. Here's what it doesn't do. Oh, do you want to lose fat? Check out this thing and then bring them through a guide of how to actually do it in a sustainable way that's not bad for their health. Like that's what I want to do and that's how I want to impact people's health, not just by uh, selling them supplements. If I wanted to sell supplements to make money, I'd be having much different product lines um, than what I have currently and I'd probably have to charge way more money than I do already. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I understand where people are coming from. However, like the what we're trying to do here is a little bit different um, and I, I mean, I would guarantee, like, and f- for the record, like, if anybody wants to see one of our COAs, which says it has exactly what we have in it, I, I think we are the only company that I'm aware of who has ever publicly said that if anybody wants to see a COA of any of our products, third-party tested that says, here are all of the ingredients we have in our product and nothing else. I think we're the only people who openly publish that stuff. Wow. So full transparency like we have nothing to hide like whatever we say is on the label is in there and like we want to start the conversation as well i was like well why aren't other people willing to do this isn't that kind of weird that is kind of weird and now it kind of makes me rethink like i i love shopping in the supplement section because i love to just like see what else (laughs) i feel like there's something that pops on the shelves every single time i go so i'm always kind of like what are they coming up with now and it just completely it makes me feel a little duped that i'm walking around these aisles and maybe everything that I'm picking up and looking at is like just lying to me and (laughs) and it sucks but I get that people can make money off this if they put a label on it and put it in a nice bottle and so I I appreciate that perspective uh where you're coming from because yeah I mean people have to have some sort of gateway into health and I think if this is the only way that they're going to start doing it then by all means that's such a gift um you mentioned the keto diet so I know a lot of our listeners uh, either are doing keto or that because it's the buzzword of the day in terms of diets. Can you talk a little bit about your perspective on that diet trend? Yeah, keto is so hot right now, huh? It's crazy. Well, it's been around forever and now it made a comeback. Yeah, no, I was doing it in undergrad and people thought I was crazy, but it was effective and it worked. So my my idea with nutrition is that they, the nutrition is essentially there's a f- fundamental like, quality of nutrition that you should have. And then after that, it gets more quantitative. And with a quantitative version of nutrition is more so like a tool where you can reach certain goals, for instance. And so I think the fundamental goal of is like normal human health. And so that's where I look at quality. And so real foods that grow, I think are important. And then after that, if let's say you start toying around with things like uh, macronutrients and um, food timing and all this different stuff, a ketogenic diet is essentially eating in such a way where you restrict carbohydrates so that instead of using carbohydrates for fuel, your body ends up using the breakdowns of fat, which are ketones for fuel. And so that's kind of a switch that you go into, which is essentially a very high fat, very moderate protein and very low carb diet. And so the benefits from that I mean, they, they've shown range from tons of stuff, whether that's, you know, using fat for fuel means you end up using more of your body fat for fuel, um, higher energy levels, because what happens is you, you don't have carbohydrate floating around your blood. So when you eat a carbohydrate rich meal, 60 to 90 minutes afterwards, you feel kind of like an energy crash and you want to eat more carbohydrates. And if you don't, then you start feeling worse and worse and worse because your body has no energy. So then it starts having to tap into muscle tissue and liver glycogen to create energy stores. Um, whereas with a fat, uh, the high fat diet and the ketogenic diet, 
you have these things floating on in your blood at all times, you have a nice higher stable energy level. Um, lowered inflammation, better mental function, your brain, so that this is a water-soluble fat molecule, so it can actually cross your blood-brain barrier and can be used by the brain immediately at all times. Um, very good for endurance exercise as well. And so you get way more oxygen and way more energy out of an actual ketone molecule than you do a, a glucose molecule, which is a carb. And so let's say you're, you, you have to consume a lot more ATP, which is the energy currency of the cell, and oxygen. So if like you're running like a, a long race or you're doing a triathlon or something like that, like ketogenic diet for sure, huge benefit. And so there's, there's tons of benefits why people would do it, but it's a very specific thing. So like, for instance, if your main goal is to build strength in size, it's actually probably more advantageous to eat carbohydrates. And so what happens is now that this is kind of a buzz thing, a lot of people are trying it out, low carb and keto becomes a panacea for everything that everybody could ever want, which I think is crazy. And it's not the case. It's just something that thing that people can eat towards if they have a specific goal. So the more you get fine-tuned, you start with whole foods, like most people can, can just start there and get 85% of their goals nailed just by doing that. But then after that, you start tweaking things, and then you can use a ketogenic diet for a specific goal. And so that's more of a quantitative thing, in my opinion. And so there's been a lot of things as this fad grows and spikes up so exponentially that a lot of people are, it's either not true or they're not doing things correctly and actually are getting some negative outcomes in their health, which is really frustrating to me because there's so many positive things that people can get out of it. But people think like, oh, I should be having this result and I'm not getting it. This, this diet sucks. Or like this type of eating is terrible. And I just think that's completely false. Okay, I have some questions about the whole keto thing because it is so trendy. And so I've had this like knee-jerk reaction against it of like, ugh, it's like the next thing and I don't want to have to deal with it. It just seems like, which is for coming from me, like this way of eating is how I would love to eat on a regular basis. Like my body craves fat over carbs. I don't need that, you know, like crazy amount of protein. I am very, very happy to only eat two, maybe three times a day, like fat-rich meals. So you would think that this would be like, hey, this is a perfect fit. Instead, I've gone the opposite direction of being like, well, everyone's doing it, so that must mean that it sucks. <laughs> and um, But the biggest thing that has kept me from trying it is that the first, the only thing I've ever read about it was, you know, just some probably marginally researched magazine article. And it made it sound like you, like it takes a really long time to get into ketosis. And once you're there, if you eat, you know, have like one day or eat too many carbs, you it takes like another week to get back into ketosis. So it just kind of made it seem like, man, this is, it's so much work to stay there. And if you mess it up, then you have like all this work to do to get back there. Is yeah, that so accurate? That's completely untrue, actually. Okay. So yes, maybe for the first time. So what happens is, so ketones are shuttled into the cell via something called a monocarboxylic acid transporter. And so it's basically a channel on your right, cell that- Oh, that thing that sucks in ketones to use for energy. And so if you haven't been producing ketones from eating or basically not eating carbs in your body producing them, you're not going to have a lot of those transporters around. So yes, the first time you get into ketosis, it may take a while. And so this is one of the reasons why when we created the first product for the ketone company, Perfect Keto, it was called an exogenous ketone product. And so if you stop eating carbohydrates and you don't have this transporter where you can transport the the ketone into your cell for energy, your body goes, what the hell are you doing? I need some energy. Like this I'm is so not hungry. good. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so you don't basically, you have no, your body doesn't know what to use for fuel. So what happens is this is a good point where you can use this exogenous ketone, which is a, like a basic ketone supplement. And your body goes, oh, there's this stuff that we can use in the absence of 
carbohydrate. And then it starts this process of upregulating these monocarbic acidic acid transporters. And so what you can do then is like you start, start getting this ketone energy way quicker. And so instead of having three to five days of what this called as like keto flu of basically not having any available energy for your body because you don't have carbohydrates, you can have these ketones in that time. And then what happens is once you're in this level of ketosis, like that, you don't have to keep taking that stuff. And then if you just enter in this nutritional ketosis and your body's used to it, it upregulates a lot of those pathways. And so that way, if you go eat carbs or whatever, the next day you can be back in ketosis because your body is so used to having this metabolic flexibility of being able to use ketones for fuel. And so it's just basically changing your cellular structure and, and what basically it, your cells want for energy. And so if it's used to having ketones and you have some carbs and you're, you're kicked out of ketosis, it's no problem. Like I can eat, like last week I, I went out and ate a, just a ridiculous amount of sushi at this new restaurant in San Francisco. It's incredible. It's totally worth it. And, it sounds amazing. And like the next morning, like, oh, no, I wasn't in ketosis. But by the afternoon, I was because I just went back to eating a very high fat meal because know? my body is used to it. So I, yeah, this is an important thing too. So when people eat a ketogenic diet, they go, well, I, I think I kind of feel okay, but this isn't really working for me. I'm not going to do it anymore. And I say, well, do you know if you were in ketosis? And they go, well, yeah, I was eating low carb, so I was in ketosis and low carb and keto. Are not I like the same how you're. Things. I like, like how you're taking on like a surfer guy right now. <laughs> yeah, like, well, yeah, like yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, it's, sometimes those guys are the ones who 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 don't get as deep into the weeds as I do. So, yeah. <laughs> what, the, the, what what happens is, um, so you, you need to measure. Like, so it's, it's a metabolic state. It's is your body using this energy as fuel or not? And so, like I was saying, it's one of these things that can float around in your bloodstream. So one thing that people think that if they use these ketone urine strips, you basically pee on a strip and it, and it lights up either look dark purple or nothing. And that is if if you are basically, if you're if you're producing ketones but not using all of them, they will spill over into your urine and you can detect them through this little stick that you pee on. However, when your body starts actually using those things, and it doesn't excrete them anymore because it says, oh, we want this fuel, we're not going to pee it out. And so you'll actually get a negative reading even though you have high level of ketones in your in your bloodstream. So the only way you can really test is through a blood meter. So just like how diabetics use a glucose meter to draw a little drop of blood to see how much blood sugar is rolling through their bloodstream, you can do the same thing blood ketones. So that's called a beta-hydroxybutyrate meter. And then so over anything over 0.5 is clinically associated with ketosis. And so sounds expensive. It is actually yeah. (laughs) However. so yeah, this is a downside, but like, for instance, I know now so well, like just after testing a couple dozen times, oh, I respond to this amount of protein like this. Oh, I can have only about 50 grams of carbs a day, mainly after I work out. And so if you do these mini experiments on yourself and you know how yeah, your body you responds, yeah, you don't have to keep doing it. I just do a lot of times because I'm curious and I post about it to try to teach other people what they should expect from this stuff. Okay. So someone like me who is a fairly healthy almost 40 year old what why would i start super healthy aggressively healthy um (laughs) if you were to like just if i came to you and i was like what diet would be good for me dr anthony what would you say to me would you be like try keto i mean are you who are you preaching keto to if you were so i would ask you what what are your main goals there you go Okay. In changing your life. I mean, what if, yeah. my, like, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at. Like, <laughs> would you well, say, say continue doing, consider, consider doing what you're doing? Keep yeah. doing what you're doing. But okay, so would you, uh, I guess, what would, what do people come to you with where you're like, keto is the prescription? So for, so let's just 
take a step back and say like, so I obviously do more of a ketogenic diet myself. Yeah. And so why, why is that important for me? And so for me, longevity and feeling good for as long as possible is what I want. Um, which is ketogenic diet has supported time and time again. Um, two would be stable energy levels throughout the day. So I'm running a bunch of different companies right now. And like, I need to be focused from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed every single day. And like I was talking about before, you don't get that 60 to 90 minute after a meal crash of energy. And it's way more stable throughout the day. Um, three would be, I have a large, uh, family history of cancer and neurological diseases and ketogenic diet has been shown to be very preventative uh, for both of those things. So basically cancer cells eat sugar for fuel and the brain basically gets all gummed up if it has too much sugar as a metabolite. And so it's better to use ketones for both preventing cancer and for preventing neurological disease. Um, Four would be physical performance. I felt like I needed to, after I would work out every time, just crush a huge meal and then the same type of energy loop I would have after that would be I would just crash. And so being able to go into a workout now and not have to feel like, oh, I need to eat this before, during, and after every single time has been a huge liberation for me in that respect. Um, the amount I need to eat is way less. And so again, with how busy I am, I like to have less meals throughout the day instead of having to you know eat every 60 to 90 minutes from when I wake up at 5.30 a.m. and when I go to bed at like 9.30. And so that's huge for me. Uh, but for people, like I mentioned before, like trying to do fat loss, it's a very, very effective. I actually met with um, one of my former patients uh, today and he was, he was saying, like, oh, it's crazy. Like I just, he's a very fit guy. He's he just had a baby. He's like, he was reading kind of about a ketogenic diet as well. And he was saying like, oh yeah, I mean, I just, I've still been drinking and I've still like not had this, the best food quality option, but started a ketogenic diet like three weeks ago. And I've just gotten super lean from like, he used to play college baseball he's like yeah, it, was, it was like i was like back in undergrad again it's effortlessly and so like it sounds sometimes like fat loss like a like a magic claim but it's it, i mean truly when you when your body's using fat for energy and you you can just easily tap into your own fat stores because your body wants to use the breakdown of fat for energy it's pretty easy for people who have a few extra pounds to shed um so i mean for me it's me- you know mental performance longevity disease prevention energy and um stay like effortlessly for me staying lean like being overweight previously too like i respond to carbohydrates not as well as some other people and so if i eat a ton of carbs i you know i gain some fat pretty easily and so that's those are my reasons why i do it so and then so, I mean, okay. it can vary definitely from yeah per go, person. Ahead. go ahead claire no i have a, a separate very specific question so go ahead joy so i d- i think i'm just more curious too because we haven't really talked about this specific diet and i always kind of see trends come and go and i think i'm not saying that this is a trend but it's kind of like oh this is the newest thing but i think where i get confused just as a woman is like oh we want to jump on trains and we want to be like well let's just let's try this out and let's try this out but i think the most important question we need to ask is what is our goal and like you said like what is your goal and i'm a I'm pretty, I'm fit. I feel good. I feel healthy. I don't really have any concerns. So I don't think that if I were to do it, I feel like I would just do it just to kind of biohack and do the N equals one for myself. Like I just would kind of be like, well, I want to see if I feel different. Like I did a whole 30 a couple months ago just to see how I would feel. Um, And uh, Claire and I counted macros for a long time too. And we were kind of like really wanting to break away from that. And that was uh, an interesting experience. But I think it just, for women especially, we get really overwhelmed and confused. And what we base our 
reality off of is Instagram and people's results off of social media. So I think that's kind of the piece where I really want to make sure we're clear here of like, who is it really good for and what would they be experiencing where you'd be like, let's try this. Yeah. Like you said before, I think it's worth if you're curious doing it correctly to see if you do have any difference and you like it. Um, what's, what's kind of silly about some of this stuff though, where, where like you say, Oh, it's kind of a trend, which is extremely true. I would not argue that at all. It's, it's almost like analogous to paleo dieting and stuff like this. Like people thought it was a trend. However, it just was kind of close to the qualitative version of what humans ate for most of history. <laughs> yeah, which is just real food that grows. Duh, okay. A ketogenic diet is actually just pretty close to what humans ate for all of history. And so when it's, you know, when you have now the qualitative kind of like a paleo diet and then the quantitative, like people were, were fasting a lot and they were eating a lot more fat and they weren't eating tons of these processed carbs and they were pro- probably um, in a ketogenic state most of the time, then you have actually a representation of what people actually did do for most of human history. Um, so I, I find that kind of entertaining in in a rant yeah and i want to say one quick thing too because clara i know you have a question as well but i think what um the errors that we make or at least i'm just going to speak for for myself is that when you see foods that you label good or bad or what you should be eating i.e paleo keto is that people think that that's just a free pass to eat whatever they want and the one really great tool that i they took away from macro counting was portion sizes and um, just knowing what is in a food and really learning how to kind of distribute that throughout the day. And I think what right. people tended to do when payload came around, um, and I'd like to kind of get your feedback too on well, let me back up because people did that with paleo where they're like all the feet or all the all the meat, all the vegetables, all the fat. And then, um, you know, with keto, I think people are well, at least when I listen to it and you're like, well, I really don't have to eat as much throughout the day. People have a really emotional tie to food. So that's the other piece is like the, the ritual of having a breakfast and having a lunch and having a dinner um, is really hard for people to let go of. So when you say things like that of like, well, I really don't want to think too much about eating throughout the day. And I only like, I've heard like Mark Sisson interviews where he's like, yeah, I don't need to like one or two. Like I just kind of fast throughout the morning. I'm like, as a woman, like that is, I, even men, like just everyone who has that emotional tie to food, I think that's a really hard thing to wrap our heads around. Yeah, I eat when I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. That's what I eat. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the thing is, I don't really feel the same level of hunger with with a ketogenic diet. But I, I totally get what you mean about making things more like an ideology than actually just worrying about is it healthy for me or not. And so I think that's why I kind of abandoned paleo as a term for for quite a while now and it's it's not a free pass one of the biggest gripes that i have about both paleo and ketogenic especially now is that it's such a crazy fad that people think like oh if i'm in ketosis that means i'm healthy and it's just a quantitative thing and so if you just eat a high amount of fat of any type of fat your body will be using fat for fuel but that doesn't mean you're going to be a healthy person and so this is a huge misconception that i i don't see many people actually talking about which is really frustrating and so People go out and eat bacon fried in butter that is dipped in cream cheese wrapped around a cheese stick, and they're like, "Oh, look, it's keto. I'm I'm so healthy. I'm the healthiest person alive." I'm like, "This is." And you're like, "You're gonna die right now." Yeah, this, this is, is this is not not eat. good. Like, it's more important actually to to look at the quality of your fat if if primarily what you're running on is fat. And so I think even more importantly, the ketogenic diet is a quality based control. And, and like you said, 
having some sort of reality check about is this actually healthy for me or not and so you know is it from a good source is it you know are you getting micronutrients are you getting fiber are you getting fermented foods are you you know are you getting a variety of foods a lot of these things that that people just don't think about and they just think is it paleo is it keto okay whatever i want then like it it just it, it should match between is this a healthy choice for me and will this fit my like main goals in life? And I think that those are the things that you need to think of and then think of like, okay, this way of eating is best for me. Like, I, and I have no problem. If, if people don't want to be a super lean and super healthy and they want to prioritize more so like, um, like ha- having cake with friends because that's what they like in a social setting, like I have no room to judge their goals, but then they can't like complain about not being lean and athletic. You know what I mean? And so ha- having priorities straight and then just, peeling it back and figuring out your nutritional strategy based upon that, I think is the smartest way to do it. And f- for me, it, you know, what, what it looks like is kind of like a whole foods ketogenic diet for everything that's important to me right now. Two questions. The first one is probably going to be more correlated to keto than the other one, but who knows? And they're both pretty medically based questions. So we'll just, you know, kind of see, um, I don't know if you'll be able necessarily to speak to both of them, but the first one has to do with, um, people who, and specifically women, who have had their gallbladders removed. And I know that there is, um, you know, there's a lot of confusion out there. I have a good friend who had her gallbladder removed after um, a pregnancy and her doctor basically told her like, your body's just going to adapt after the first couple of weeks. You don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to change your diet. You don't have to do anything. And she has always just never really, you know, it's never really sat right with her. And it's been a couple of years and she's still kind of struggled to figure out exactly the right way to eat. She tried keto for a little while and, you know, my question was always kind of like, can your body support that much fat if you don't have your main, you know, sort of bile storage situation dialed in? I would say that, yeah. Oh, is this a connected question or is that? Nope. Nope. That's it. Okay. I would say that that is a ketogenic diet is not a good solution for people that that don't have the biology to break down fat. And so just, just like somebody who, so your pancreas controls insulin, which basically clears out carbs from your bloodstream, if you want to put it in a really simple term. And so your pancreas is made up of what's called beta cells. And so what happens when people have irreversible diabetes is that they have destruction in their beta cells. And so I wouldn't say that those people who can't secrete insulin should go eat carbs. And so right. people can't secrete the things that break down to fat. I don't think they should be eating fat. There's some things that you can do to help. Like if you, if you um, take, for instance, like uh, ox bile salts and different kind of lipases and things like this that help your body, that's fine. But I don't like people relying on external aids for all of their digestion. And I think that, like, like I said, if, if, you're, if your human biology does not support something, you should probably just not eat that way. Just not worry about it. Do you have any, and this is kind of going away from the ketosis thing, but have you um, worked with anybody who is doesn't have a gallbladder and who's figured out kind of a, a, an easy way, or not an easy way, but like, I, I was just so surprised, and it sounds like this is you know something that you care a lot about and think a lot about in terms of like the different ways people should be eating. I was just so surprised when every conversation I've had with her has been like, yeah, there's really no no you know centralized location for information out there. The doctors are, are literally just telling people like, yeah, your body will just figure it out. Like, yeah, it's a very, I have worked with a lot of people, it's a very individual thing. And so nutrition yeah. in general is very individualized. And so that's, I'm actually glad there's not a lot of cookie cutter information out there. And so in my opinion, what has worked best for most people, and again, like this is not any kind of medical advice. This is more so like what what right. I've seen kind Anecdotal. of extrapolated, um, which is, so gallbladder is essentially top of the, the GI tract and helps with some digestion. Um, what you can do 
best to support not having a gallbladder is by supporting gut health as maximally as possible. And so what that looks like is maybe getting a gut screen and seeing where you lie and kind of where the distribution of microbiota are. And then from there, supporting it by eating a lot of fermented food and a lot of mix of insoluble, insoluble, insoluble fibers. So that way you have this really, really good support for gut health. And so that way the digestion happens maximally in your gut where it should be happening and you have no other problems otherwise. And so that that's where I've seen most success. But it, this depends completely on the person's, yeah. obviously their goals, their metabolic history. Like for instance, I mentioned that I used to be overweight, so I'm more intolerant to carbs. So everybody has c- kind of a different history that leads them to a different result. But I think overall, supporting gut health m- even more so than I would say for the average person is super important for somebody who has no, does not have a gallbladder. Got it. Okay, so that was my first very specific question. So I appreciate you giving me a specific answer. Oh, you got it. The second, the second one has to do more with ketosis. And um, so, and kind of going back to the product you were talking about that can kind of help your body transition um, into ketosis a little bit without having to go through the, the keto flu, as you called it. So, kind of, I guess the the broader question is: Does that product have any benefit for people who? are not in ketosis, who are just kind of eating a general, you know, like an average amount of carbs, would their body find any benefit from having additional um, pathways to use um, ketones? And then going off of that, the specific part of my question has to do with um, folks who have epilepsy, I know, and, you know, using the ketogenic diet to help with that. And I'm just curious, like I just have so many questions about the ketogenic diet, and maybe this is not. <laughs> this is yeah, this is kind of perfect way this but, is going. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I've I've spent tons of my time researching about this stuff in the last couple of years, um, and just because there's there's there are so many facets, and it because it's such a deep metabolic process that, and there's so many factors to this stuff. And so, first part of your question, um, can you just can you, can, so it it are exogenous ketones or ketone products or is ketosis beneficial for people who are still eating carbs? Is this correct? Yes. So I would say yes, specific to certain goals. So no, it will not make you lose fat. And so I'm not selling a fat loss product. Just just to be very clear to people out there, we get, we get a lot of hate mail when people, they go, I've had this for three days and I haven't lost any weight yet. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's not, we would never promise that. I think some situations that, that it could be good for in that case would be um, both uh, performance. Like I said before, you can actually start using a lot more Oxygen, and so, for instance, one of the researchers out of uh, South Florida named Dom D'Agostino is very popular in the keto space now. He did some stuff, so they're doing research for um, Navy SEALs essentially. So they get this thing where they don't use rebreathers, and so what they what happens is they need to basically just have pure oxygen in their blood. And so if their body can't use that and dispose of it, they have they have seizures really really quickly. And so what they've noticed with mice especially is that they can hold their breath underwater like four or five times as long using exogenous ketones on top of a normal diet. And so that's one benefit. So like the way you can extrapolate like that is if you need oxygen in like an endurance race, like if you need more stuff with a triathlon or something like that, like that would be a good thing to use mid race instead of these, these um, gels that most people use that contain glucose. Another one would be uh, mental performance. And so if your body has both glucose and ketones present in the bloodstream, that's not actually dangerous. Like most people think, Um, I don't know where people get that from, but what happens is you you have some tissue specificity and preference for the uptake of, of ketones. And so two places where those are are in the heart and in the brain. And so these tissues, when when presented with the option of either glucose or ketone, 
and glucose is just breakdown of carbohydrate would would always prefer ketone and so some people are using it for like a heightened mental response or clarity and like basically energy for their brain and so that's what people are getting um kind of as a byproduct when they put like the butter in their coffee or the mct oil what's happening is that stuff just breaks down into fat and into ketones and then those ketones go across the blood brain barrier super easily and your brain prefers those as a sustainable energy source even if you were eating carbohydrates and so i I think there's still benefit in that route um part two the question was what again has to do with just with epilepsy and oh, yeah, yeah. yeah so that's where that's where most of the current clinical research started from in the 20s actually was was treating epilepsy so this actually branches way back into like i think hippocrates like wrote something about using fasting to treat um seizures and epilepsy which what happens when you fast is your body stops using carbohydrate and has to use ketones because it breaks down your body fat. And so they were using basically fasting ketosis to treat these things thousands of years ago. And so this has been in our human history for a very long period of time. And so this is the like this is the most clinical data we actually have on ketosis is again the brains prefer the ketones and I mean we can go crazy with the mechanism all day but it is shown hands down as the number one thing that if you have epilepsy to basically use this stuff. I mean, brain tumors, any type of neurological disease, uh, the brain prefers ketone, and it's much, I'd say, cleaner fuel for um, for the for the brain, and it has much less kind of, I guess, runoff or kind of bad fumes, like you would like burning right. less preferential fuels in the car. So if you so then just to kind of go off of what you said a second ago, so if you were somebody who was trying to treat epilepsy in part with ketosis, then the I forget the word, you know, the ketone transmitter supplement would still be helpful even if you also were eating carbs because it would your brain prefers ketones anyway right although at that point like for somebody with epilepsy i would just i would just full out say that a nutritional ketogenic diet would be for sure the way to go yeah interesting i just am so fascinated it's just like it's so interesting to me that there are these tweaks that you can make which in the scheme of things are pretty you know low maintenance like you're not taking 10 pills a day or you know whatever that um, for people who are, you know, otherwise might be really tied to medication or, or have just been like, just the way your body adapts is so fascinating. Yeah, I mean, there's some companies like, for instance, there's one that I, that's here in San Francisco that's awesome called Verta Health that's basically reversing type 2 diabetes using ketogenic diets. And so the two people like around modern ketogenic research, uh, Jeff Volk and Stephen Finney are kind of heading a lot of that up. And I mean, it's just, it's insane the amount of effect that happens, like you said, with very little input, like you, you essentially just shift around your macronutrients and make sure that you're in a ketogenic state and you get all these metabolic benefits for these disease states, which I think is great. But again, not, not, a, not, a, not a tool that is perfect for everything. So I'm not, I'm not saying like everybody needs to go and do this and I would never right. ever do that with, with nutrition. And like even if somebody's goal is some of, the, some of the stuff that I said was for my goal, some people just feel lousy in a ketogenic diet and that's just the truth of it. And so you can keep trying to shove things that don't fit into the same hole but like you're ultimately like you have to be honest with yourself and kind of your own biology and how you respond to certain things yeah because like i was thinking about this too of um what about you know a crossfit athlete or 
Um, I guess what symptoms would people be presenting to you where you're like, well, this might benefit from a ketogenic diet? Because I think what we tend to do is we're like, oh, it's just a diet that's going to make me really lean. Like everyone just wants to look like some crazy fitness model. So I, I think that it's worth kind of just saying, like, if you're experiencing the sy- symptoms, this is what could benefit you. But like, you know, how I asked you earlier, where I'm like, well, I'm kind of curious, but I, like, I feel pretty good. So if it's not broke, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, in your case, if you're just curious, then I would say just test it out and see how you feel. But yeah. I mean, if a CrossFit athlete were to come to me, I would have to make them get really honest with their priorities. And so if the priority was to like to compete and go to regionals or the games, then I would never recommend a uh, ketogenic diet for those people. If it was, oh, I just want to like look good and feel good and I don't really care about my performance in the gym or like crushing my PR then I would say like, oh yeah, well, I mean, what what are your most important things? And if they would say like lower inflammation, like feeling good, mental clarity, um, stuff like this, then then I would probably recommend it. But with a CrossFit athlete, especially, I would recommend probably a little more carbohydrates and almost like a cyclical ketogenic, where you're getting a little bit more carbs than than otherwise. Um, otherwise, I think that you can go into trouble with with the type of workouts that you do. And like, for instance, if you're doing seven CrossFit workouts a week, so that's a lot of demand on certain pathways in your body that aren't really supported really easily with a ketogenic diet. And so not my first choice for somebody who's a competitive CrossFit athlete, but I think a lot of times CrossFitters that are not competitive CrossFitters, like in your average Joe, um, has like thinks that they want to compete every, every workout and thinks they want to be a competitive athlete, but really their priorities are like just playing with their kids. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you have no, you have no idea what he's talking about. Do you? <laughs> and, and so like, <laughs> Getting the clarity around that, like, and I've done the same thing with CrossFit, and I mean, it's fun, it's fun, but ultimately, like, pushing, like, going crazy in workouts every single day was not congruent with my main goal, like, having high energy throughout the day and, like, having longevity throughout the rest of my life. Right. And I think that's kind of where Claire and I have been talking a lot recently about how the trend to kind of swing the pendulum back a little bit to moderation. Because I think when oh, yeah. CrossFit first came out of the gate, it was like, go, 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 everything's really tough. And then we're kind of like, we're looking at these CrossFit athletes and the professionals who are doing, you know, three or four wads a day. And we're like, we need to do more. Um, and I was listening to this uh, interview recently, I think it was on Mind Pump, which is one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, and they were talking about like, if you continue to to lower your calories or up your workouts, like your body eventually has nowhere else to go. So it's like we're stressing ourselves out in this way. So I think what we're trying to preach to to our audience is like, make sure you're paying attention to your body and more isn't necessarily better. And we really want to make sure that people are taking care of themselves. Like, do you see a lot of that with your patients? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just like you said, a lot of these things the, the priorities just need to be straight. And yeah. so just I think I think people if they just took some time, five minutes away from their phone, to just figure out like, hmm, what's what's actually important to me? <laughs> I, yeah. I think that would be much easier. <laughs> well, then they could say like, yeah. if, it, if it was competition, then they could be like, okay, well, if I wanted to compete, then I actually have to eat this way and then use, use okay with decisions instead of like trying to get everything at once. Then, you, then for instance, like competing – Maybe not having the craziest body physique at that point, which is well. Just that's fine. the problem. Like that's what people think is that they can have both. They they want this bodybuilder oh, no, aesthetic. Don't be silly. Yeah, they want. No, I'm serious. Not like everyone's they, rich froning. You know? Yeah, not, not but, everyone's like the crazy. So, the but crazy how do you? People. So counsel people on that for a minute. Like because people truly think that they can have both, that they can have this amazing aesthetic and perform like a beast. Twenty and like three hundred sixty five days a year can yeah. maintain this aesthetic. I ask people if they could only choose one 
what would they choose? Like if if and, and that's usually actually the case. Like you need like you, the average person is not a, a freak of nature like some of these people that you see on Instagram and on TV and whatever. And so I ask people generally, like if you had to choose just one thing to focus on versus like performance and lower inflammation and feeling good and looking good and blah blah blah. And some people choose looking good and there's no problem with that. But I would say like okay, well then let's figure it out from there. And then I say, okay, if you had to choose a second thing, what would that be? And then we get this hierarchy of actual needs and then you can kind of bucket the top three or so and say like, okay, here's a strategy that works best for you. And you said, this is the most important, this is the second most important. And so like, if those things change, that's fine, but then we'll just change your approach. But just like making that very clear and kind of getting a ranking of priorities for people, I think is a huge step of just creating clarity about how people should be approaching their day from nutrition, from sleep, from exercise, from all these different angles that help them get what they want with with little confusion compared to kind of the the mass amount of information that they're they're reaching for and like have have no idea what to do and they don't get any results because they're going in ten different directions. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I think it's just one of those things where people think that they can have it all because, well, I should say have it all, but have like this quote unquote perfect body that's really lean and zero body fat. But then they're like, and I want to do 50 million CrossFit workouts in a week. And uh, I think what really hit the nail on the head for Claire and I was we were talking and I was like, you know, I've been working my ass off for, you know, since I was 20 doing workouts and really my body hasn't changed. So I really don't think more is going to do anything at this point. Like, what am I expecting at this point? So I'm glad you addressed that. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing for people to realize. That, and I've gone through this point as well of like, uh, I try to be huge and I try to like not eat as much and like be lean, but like still perform well. Like, I, I mean, I, I think everybody goes through this, yeah. especially like if, if you're into, if, if you work out like more than a couple of times a week, you've gone through this phase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. There's, there's no getting around it. Like you have to go through it. And some people are lucky and they actually do have it all. But for most mere mortals like me, for instance, um, <laughs> can't have it all. Yeah. So wrapping up, uh, can you talk a little bit about anything that you're noticing just from your practice or even with Equip Foods um, of things that people can add to their life right now that would, I guess, you know, give them an edge or make them feel a little bit better every day? Sleep. I'd say it's huge that most people undervalue. Uh, just the quality of sleep as well as the quantity of sleep. So like not just, oh, I slept eight hours last night, but really honing in like temperature of your room, the minimal lights, like the right Are you going to tell you. me, are you going to tell me to get the blue blockers? Because I don't know if I'm there yet. No, no, no I'm not. I'm not that kind of guy. Um, I, think you can, <laughs> I would just say, don't use your phone and stop staring at a screen. It's the easiest way to do it. Yeah. And then, yeah, but can I put the chill, can I put like out. the can I put the night setting on my phone? Is that okay? Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Okay, good. Better better than nothing. Okay, good. <laughs> um, and then just like don't be so stressed all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and especially before bed, <laughs> just chill out. And yeah. You're, you're a, not that busy a, and important. Yeah, you're not book, that busy man. and important. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's there's so much information about nutrition and movement right now, but and a lot of people are kind of ignoring stress and sleep as two big pillars. And I think that those. Those four nutrition, movement, stress, and sleep are the I think the biggest things that affect health. And so what happens is people lean really heavily into one, and it's like try balancing on a chair with just one leg. See how how that goes. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't work right. for long. Are there and any so, kind of fun? Kind of fun for a while, but eventually it's yeah. Oh yeah, to topple, and it's really embarrassing. <laughs> so I I also want to think too of like addressing it for maybe someone who really doesn't know. Um, 
I don't know. I think sometimes we assume that everyone is really in touch with their bodies and, you know, our audience is super healthy. And for the most part, I think that's true. But is there any type of symptom or thing that you see people that maybe ignore too much um, that you're like, no, 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 this is an issue? It's not normal to have GI problems or energy problems. And these are the two biggest things that people can find. Like, okay, I need to change something. And so like you shouldn't have mood or energy swings throughout the day and you shouldn't have any kind of GI problems where it's like you can't go to the bathroom, you go to the bathroom too much, um, things are weird in the toilet. Like those aren't normal things. Mm -hmm. And like that's a huge sign that something's wrong with your digestion. And if you can't absorb the food and break down the food that you're eating, no amount of nutrition work is going to be helpful for you. Um, I love that. I always talk about I used to be like a habitual belcher. And I just thought that was like, that was me. That was my thing. I would just belch. Yeah, it's not normal. normal, But like literally my whole life from when I was a kid up and and I had like horrible stomach problems as a kid my whole life. And I just never, ever put the two and two together. And then I'm like, I've been tested for, for dairy allergies and I'm lactose and casein intolerant and, or like allergic actually. And so finally when I was what, 25, I tried eating keto and I, or not keto, paleo. And I stopped belching and I was like, oh my God, that was not a symptom of a healthy digestive system. Who knew? Like no one in my life had ever been like, you know that belching that you do all the time? That might have something to do with the fact that you end up curled up on your bed in pain half the time you eat anything and have heartburn, get a heartburn from everything you eat and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. And like literally no one had ever been like, no, that's not normal. So yeah. that's you. If you're out there belching constantly, it's not normal. Um, another one would be actually that I had a problem with for a long time until I figured it out was um, skin issues. Like well, dermatologist when I was younger, I was like, yeah, it's just genetics. Sorry, sorry, son. Um, you can take this Accutane and, and <laughs> ruin your, your metabolic system if you want. Um, you're just going to have this type of problem. And then I realized, oh, when I eat wheat, I get acne systematically every single time. Like three weeks ago, I was like, I was at a restaurant. I was like, oh man, this fresh baked bread looks pretty good. I'm going to have a half slice. Next day, three pimples just like that and it, like <laughs> that was just something that i dealt with until yeah. i was maybe 18 19 20 i was like oh man just all this stuff that that a doctor told me was permanent and genetic was just my body's intolerance to wheat huh weird interesting <laughs> and so yeah i mean that so here's another thing like Wheat does not just, I'll just rant here for thinking about wheat, but it's not, it doesn't just, like the gluten doesn't just affect your gut. There's like 22 different proteins in wheat. And so I I have no problem with my digestive system after I eat wheat, but I I do react to just one of those 22, which is called tissue transglutaminase 4, and that is expressed in the skin. And so when I eat wheat, it's just like I only get skin issues and I no energy problems, nothing else. And like otherwise I'd be able to metabolize it just fine. And so... It's not always what the what the fad says, which is like, oh, I need to reduce gluten because of X, Y, or Z. Um, so this is my surfer guy again, by the way. I like the surfer guy. <laughs> He's making a comeback. Surfer guy who doesn't who follows all the diet fads. Yeah. Diet fad surfer, like magazine cover diet fad title surfer guy. He carries awesome. around from gets all the from, from from diet article headlines. He's the guy that's He's walking around the gym carrying around the gallon of water, just chugging it. <laughs> <laughs> three per day right that's what dr yeah, ross yeah. said totally oh my god <laughs> oh, <doctors. laughs> um i have one last question is there any diet that you feel is like probably wouldn't go towards 
like run away yeah we're yeah we're not we won't we won't like try to like shame people but like is there anyone that you're just like like uh, the cabbage soup diet well yeah uh, specifically a raw vegan diet is just like you as a human are not getting nutrients you need and i think that that's a silly diet to follow for that reason um (laughs) and and foods like you you literally cannot get some of the the nutrients in food if you don't cook them and break them down and so i think that's a silly silly one claire did we just piss everyone off in boulder is, it, yes. is, it, is everyone there a raw vegan? So many raw vegans. So many raw vegans in Boulder. Hey, I mean, if that's cool with you, but I, I just, like, no, literally, literally humans humans can't can't get right. enough. Like you will die if you don't have certain nutrients. Yeah, and you can't get those nutrients in a raw vegan diet, and that's just fact. There you go. All right. Dr. Anthony, thank you so much. This was <laughs> this was a great conversation. Listeners, you can find him at equipfoods.com. We have been preaching Equip Foods, formerly PureWad, for a long time now. And the discount code is GGW to support the podcast and support Dr. Anthony's fabulous efforts to make sure that what you're putting in your body is real stuff and not things that like support some random machine production. Yeah. <laughs> so silly. Where else can they find you in, yeah. in your uh, your work? Yeah, I'm most active um, on Instagram. So at Dr. Anthony Gustin, G-U-S-T-I-N. Um, and then otherwise, the other company I was talking about is PerfectKeto.com. Um, and then I have my own website, DrAnthonyGustin.com. But too busy for that right now. So Instagram, <laughs> if you want to get a hold of me. Otherwise, um, if, like you said, Equip Foods or Perfect Keto. How, right. how many hours of sleep are you getting a night? Eight, always. All right. I was like, with all Eight those always. businesses, yeah, I don't hope. mess around with that. <laughs> I hope you're practicing what you preach. Oh, okay, and stay, stay on the line, listeners. You guys know where to find him. And that's it for this week. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.